0: All right, let's pray. Father, thank you today for who you are, what you're doing in our hearts, in, this, in our lives, in our church, in our families as individuals. Lord, we just bless you today. We thank you for your word that destroys the yoke of bondage off of our lives. And Father, we choose as an actor of our will today, God, to walk in that freedom that Jesus Christ provided for us at Calvary. We thank you, Lord Jesus. We thank you that your word declares that by your stripes, that we are healed. So we thank you today that healing from the top of our head to the soles of our feet, we command every organ, every tissue to function in our bodies and the perfection that you created our bodies to function. So Father, thank you today in Jesus name. Amen. All right. Praise the Lord. Uh, I'm in a series, just started it last week. Don't know how long it'll go till the burden's still there, but uh, I've still got it this week. And uh, it was a series and I call it uh, Shoot the Whale. Don't shoot the whale, don't shoot the whale, don't shoot the whale, don't shoot the whale. And the whole of it, the, the kind of the subtitle there was, it's a, a, a purpose, the, uh, the, an allegory of adversity, an allegory of adversity. And last week, we looked at, Oh, um, well, let me tell you, just to remind you what an allegory is. An allegory, again, it's a metaphor, it's an illustration, it's a symbol. Adversity is a hardship. So whenever I talk about today, I talk about adversity, I'm talking about hardships, difficulties, tests, trials. So we kind of went through a little book in the Old Testament. It's tucked away in there, a little prophet by the name of Jonah. It's only four chapters. It's four short chapters. It's a good read. Uh, I encourage you to go and read the whole thing all together. We just kind of went through it from chapter 1 to chapter 3, but we didn't do a verse by verse. So uh, there's some things in there that you can still pick up, uh, and it was really good. And I think last week that we, we came to an agreement on this, that the adversity that Jonah went through uh, was because he disobeyed God and he walked away from him. He didn't just walk away from God. He ran away from God. Jonah is the prophet who ran from God and lived to tell about it. He ran from God and didn't just go to another city. He went to a city 2,500 miles away. That's where he was heading anyway. So again, I think we all agree that Jonah was the the cause of his adversity. Wouldn't you agree with that? Because he ran from God, adversity came. Now, here's the thing that's interesting, and this is where we might lose some people, is the source of the adversity was God. And uh, I think we clearly saw that last week in the Word of God in chapter 1 of Jonah. Verse 4 says this, that the Lord, who? The Lord, who? The Lord, the Lord God, He hurled a powerful wind over the sea, causing a violent storm that threatened to break the ship apart. Who did that? God did that. And then it goes on to say in verse 17 of that same chapter, it says, now the Lord arranged a great fish to swallow Jonah. And uh, and so God God's the one that set that up. I don't know how we can get away from saying that, God was the author of the storm, and also preparing and putting the fish exactly where it needed to be to take Jonah exactly where he needed to be to get him back into the to the will of God. And I think it's again, it's so it's so important. It's so important in our life, and as we're growing, to understand that adversity that God can be the source of adversity. He's not always the source of every adversity in our life. We said this last week. We admitted the enemy, the the thief comes to steal, to kill, and destroy that he can be the source of adversity, and uh, sometimes, again, we are the, we're, the, we're the cause of our adversity because we do stupid things. When we take a credit card and we go just jack it up and just, you know, all of a sudden, like, like it doesn't have to be paid back, and uh, we get in a financial pinch and a bond financially, well, God's not trying to teach us that. That's something that we did to ourselves. We, sometimes we bring on that adversity to ourselves. So again, sometimes we're the cause of adversity, even like 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 Jonah was, but always remember there's a twofold purpose of the adversity that God brings into our life, and that's one is to help us to grow, to help us mature, and it's always to bring God glory. Do you realize that God gets glory when people know that you're born again? People that work with you, they know you're a born again Christian. You walk it, you live it, you talk it, and uh, they know that. And then when they know that you're going through some type of adversity, and the way that you go through it like a champ like God wants you to, and uh, it stands out to them, and God gets glory. Amen? So again, sometimes though we can be like Jonah, and, and the adversity again, uh, we need, we, sometimes in our life, because like Jonah, he, was, he ran from God, he brought on adversity to himself. Sometimes we can bring on the adversity from the Lord to us. How many of you that have children know that your children need to be disciplined from time to time? Amen? The Bible says to the drive out uh, foolishness is bound in the heart of a child, but the rod of correction will drive it far from him. But when you when you when you do discipline them, you don't do it to hurt them, right? Isn't that right? <laughs> you mean we're not supposed to hurt them? No, 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 no. You act some of you that kind of confused. No, don't. You're not doing it to hurt them. It's to teach them something. Teach them something. Amen. Listen to this verse in uh, Proverbs chapter three. Proverbs chapter three verse eleven. I have the New Living Translation. It says, my child, don't reject the Lord's discipline and don't get upset when he corrects you. For the Lord corrects those that he loves, just as a father corrects his child in whom he delights. Happy Father's Day. That's our responsibility is to train our children, to raise them up in the admonition and the nurture of the Lord Jesus Christ. The next verse, Proverbs chapter 19, verse 18 says, discipline your children while there's hope. Otherwise you will ruin their lives. I like one translation that, that talks about this, says that you don't love your children if you don't discipline them. Oh, I love my child too much to spank them. I love my child too much to discipline them. Well, the Bible says you don't love them enough. Because again, when we allow, you know, it's a lot easier to teach a four-year-old submission to authority than it is a 40-year-old. They need to learn that early in their life to respect and to honor authority. So how does the Lord, how does the Lord correct how does the Lord discipline, discipline us? Oftentimes it comes in the form of adversity. Now, we need to again to understand again that all adversity that we go through is not the discipline of the Lord. Not all, not all uh, adversity that we go through is a discipline of the Lord. When you face uh, adversity, you'll face adversity uh, in your life just because you're a Christian. You know, the Bible, Jesus said in John 16, in this world, you will face tribulation. Another translation says you will face trouble just because you live in this world. You live in who Satan's the God of this world. First Corinthians chapter four, verse four. He's the God of this world. Satan is. So we live on his turf right now, temporarily. So again, it's important. Did you know that if you get married, you'll face trouble? Amen. I heard more, I heard more bass than I did soprano. <laughs> Listen, if you get married, you're going to face trouble. You know why you're going to face trouble? Because she's hard to get along with. No, because you've got flesh and she's got flesh. And when you got born again, your spirit got born again, but you've got to crucify and put your flesh down daily because your flesh wants to resurrect and come back up and show its mean, selfish self. Sometimes we say things. So again, if you get married, you're going to have trouble. It's okay. He that findeth a wife findeth a good thing. She that findeth a good husband has found a, a good thing. And those things. Matthew says this, talking about facing... Uh, adversity, just by being a Christian, God blesses you when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you and say all sorts of evil things against you, just because you're my follower. So, just by the virtue of the fact that you're a follower of Christ, people are going to say things, people are going to talk behind your back, people are going to lie about you. That's just the way. That's just the facts of life in that. So, just because again you're a child of God, you'll face you'll face <coughs> I'm sorry, you'll face adversity from enemies. And it's always meant to deter you. It's always meant to stagnate your walk with God. That's the reason the enemy's out there. He knows he can't steal you back from once you're, once you're saved. Now listen, so Pastor, are you saying you believe in once saved, always saved? I believe as long as you're following God and you want to be saved, you can. But you can. You have a choice. You could walk away. A person could have a change of heart, have a reprobate mind, and they could choose to walk away from God. But just because you blow it, just because you sin from time to time, doesn't mean you lose your salvation every time you sin. It would have to be a willful choice. A willful choice of somebody saying, I don't want to serve God. I don't want Him. That's, a person could do that. But Satan can't just take you out of, his, out of his hand. Amen? But he wants to stagnate your walk. He wants to frustrate you and, and cause you know, the frustration of your faith where you don't pray and you don't believe God for things anymore. Remember what Jesus said in John chapter 15. He said that, uh, he talked about that he was the vine, that we are the branches, and God is the gardener. And here's what Jesus said in John 15, verse 2, New Living Translation, and he, again talking about he is God, and God cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit, so that they'll produce even more fruit. So even even if you're a Christian and you're producing fruit, you're going to get you're going to get pruned from time to time. How many of you know pruning sometimes doesn't feel very good? It's not comfortable. Pruning pruning is not punishment for the believer. In fact, sometimes it's, it's, it's more of a reward. God's pruning us so that we'll produce more fruit for Him. Spiritual pruning, spiritual pruning again, it enhances our spiritual growth by removing whatever's hindering us in our walk with God. That's what the purpose of pruning is. Pruning is, again, it's synonymous with adversity. Listen to what this verse says. Now, you had to know this when we're talking about adversity, and I haven't mentioned this verse till this week. I couldn't get past week two to mention this verse. This is one of my favorite verses. This is a verse that I, I remind myself. I've lived this verse, and I'm trying to continue to live in this verse. James chapter 1, verse 2 and 3, uh, 2 through 4. This is out of the Message Bible, and I'm going to throw in a little New, New American Standard in there as well. You'll see this up on your notes What I'm talking about. Verse 2 says this, Consider it a sheer gift, friends, when tests and challenges, or we could say when adversity comes. Consider it a sheer gift, friends, when adversity comes to you from all sides. The New American Standard says, consider it all joy. Whenever these tests and challenges, whenever adversity comes, consider it all joy. Consider it all joy. And it says in verse 3, you know that under pressure, your faith life is forced into open and shows its true colors. The New American Standard says the testing of your faith produces uh, perseverance. uh, Let's say perseverance, produces endurance. Verse 4 goes on to say, and I love this, don't try to get out of anything prematurely. That's talking about the test, the trials, the challenges. Again, load it all up and you've got adversity, let it, let the adversity do its work so that you become mature, well-developed, not deficient in any way. Now remember last week I made this statement because we talked about the story of Lazarus, the raising of Lazarus from the dead. We said this, that Jesus had a goal. He had a plan in that, and his, his goal was twofold. One was that, uh, that he would receive glory and that the people would put their faith and their trust in him, and we see that's exactly what happens. If you go back and read uh, John chapter 11, verse 45... And the people that were there to support Mary and Martha, they, they believed in what Jesus did after they saw what happened. They believed Him. They turned their faith in Him. That was what it was about. In, uh, in James, in this verse in James 1, that tells us that adversity is a test. Again, it's a challenge, and it has a purpose, the New American Standard. In those verses that we just read, here's the purpose right here. The New American Standard says, so that you develop endurance. The purpose for adversity in your life is so that you develop endurance. The message bible says because uh, become mature, well developed, not deficient in any way. So again, get this right here that adversity, the test and trials and challenges, it doesn't automatically produce endurance. It doesn't automatically produce good things in your life. Did you know that? Let me say that again. Adversity and trouble and tests do not automatically produce endurance. It's a choice that you have to make. It's a choice that you have to make. Uh, Listen, you get to the place. we got to get to the place where we actually do what we're told to do, where we considered a joy. We countered all joy. We considered a sheer gift, friends. Again, it doesn't automatically produce these things. You have to get to that place. It's a choice that you and I have to make to consider this what we're going through. its Again, it's a place. And sometimes you're kind of in the middle of it, and all of a sudden the realization, the Holy Spirit only inside of you will remind you, put it in you, and remember, it's counted all joy. And then when He does that, He's reminding us for perfect yeah, i no, 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 it's not to be gripey at Him. He's reminding you of something, again, that's going to be a benefit. Because, again, it's easy. It's easy. It's easy for adversity and trials and tests to make you old sourpuss make you mean and bitter that's that's that'll be the natural fruit of it i think james when he wrote this i think that he was assuming that the people that he was writing to were consumed and committed to spiritual growth i think that he assumed that they were that and and he understood that the people understood that this, this trial, this testing thing that I'm going through is actually going to help me. It's going to make me better. They're going to help me so I can rejoice. I'll be stronger. I'll be stronger because of this. But listen, I'll be honest with you. When I'm faced with a trial, when I'm going through some testing, last thing I want to do is hear a preacher tell me, all things work together for the good. It's always going to be good. Hey, this is going to be good. You know, I, I, That's the last thing, honestly, that you want to hear. Hello, amen? Well, you shouldn't feel that way. I just want to see if you'd be honest. Good for you. Hallelujah. Listen, uh, there's nothing fun. There's nothing fun about going through a trial. There's nothing fun about going through a, a test and adversity. But when we get the revelation, when we get the revelation that whatever we're going through, whatever we're going through, not only is going to help me and mature me, but I can understand this. First, uh, this is what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4, 17, the Message Bible. These hard times are small potatoes. These hard things, this difficulty that we're going through is small potatoes compared to the coming good times, the lavish celebration that he's prepared for us. One translation, the English standards calls it light momentary afflictions. This just but a moment, the things that we're going through is hard. I mean, as long as the the adversity could last, it's still but a a smidget compared to eternity, what God has planned for us. That's why Paul says, and you think of what Paul went through, the stoning, he got stoned, he was shipwrecked, he was beaten. He just went through time after time, adversity after adversity. And he says it's like a light affliction compared to what God's got prepared for us. I like that. You got to know that the guys who wrote these last two passages that I've read, Paul and and James, uh, they went through some serious serious, uh, adversity. In fact, both of them were beheaded. Paul was beheaded and James uh, was beheaded. And this verse in Romans that, that we love to quote, we love this verse in Romans, chapter 8, verse 28, says this at the New American Standard, says, and we know that God causes all things to work together for good for those who love God to those who are called according to His purpose. Now, again, think about this, and this is something that we hold on to, work together for the good of those who love God. Works together for those who love God and are called according to His purpose. From God's perspective, from God's perspective, it's good when we learn to be patient. From God's perspective, it's good when we learn to love that unlovely person that you work with. It's good. God considers that a good thing. Now, I want to ask you a question. I want to ask you a question. I'm going to ask you a question. What does God value? What does God value more? And I'm going to give you four, four things here. Number one, you ready for this? Health. Health. What does God value? First one, health. Now hold on right there, health. Hold on. Wait, 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 wait. Don't go, don't go too fast. You're clicking too quick. Okay, that's adversity, but I'm getting through it. All right, so don't, don't, don't go yet because I want you to think. Health, what's more important? What does God value more? Health, wealth. Now again, think about health and wealth. Those are things that in Third John 2 says, I would above all, brethren, that you prosper and be in health. So those got to be good things, right? You think that matters to the God that's in there, right? It's scripture does it matter to God? It does, doesn't it? And how about how about prominence and popularity? That's got to be good, right? Why why would pro, prom, prom, uh, Huh? Prominence, <laughs> thank you, and popularity. Why would that? Because the more popular you are, the more people you can share Jesus with. And so, a prominent. You know, you think of professional athletes, man. They're prominent. I love these athletes that are bold for Christ. They have a stage that's huge. And I love it when they get out there and they're not ashamed of the gospel. Man, they get out there and they preach Jesus. I love that. So those things have got to be important. Or how about this, this fourth one here? I bet which is most important. There's another one. Click it. Now hold on right there. Perfect. Now, I don't know character. So you got health, wealth, prominence, and popularity. I'm going to give you 15 seconds. 15 seconds to, to decide which one of those is the most important. 15 seconds. Keep thinking. Come on. There it is. 14, 15. All right. Now, which is the most important? Character. character. Now, how many of you got that because you believe that or because I put it all in capital letters to give you a hint? See, I didn't want anybody to miss that and not get it right. I wanted anybody to say character, so I put it all in capital letters. So you get, character. Man, that's what, <laughs> character is what matters to God. And I think oftentimes the problem is, and where our thinking is not in line, we're not on the same plane, we're not even sometimes in the same ballpark that God is again thinking about what is good, what is important, what's important to God. Listen to this, the work together for the good in Romans chapter 28, listen again, that work together for the good, there in Romans chapter 28, uh, for all those who love God, is not necessarily the story of a man who loses his job. The man who loses his job and finds another job with more money, even though that's good, isn't it? Isn't that good? You can tell me about that next week, couple weeks, okay? Again, let me say that again. All things work together for the good. The good is not necessarily a man who loses his job and finds a better job. It may be the story of a man who loses his jobs and gains a better understanding of what it means to trust God on a daily basis. That may be the good that comes out of that. It might not be the story of a young woman who loses, who loses love and, and finds a better catch later on. It may be, it may be the story, it may be the story of a woman who loses love and through the tragedy of a lost love discovers a call of God to full-time Christian service. Not necessarily the good is not, oh, she found somebody better. Brittany, it might not be, it might not be uh, the story of a couple who struggled with infertility. And they prayed and got pregnant. It may be, it may be a beautiful story of a couple that rescued a child from a situation that was bad through a beautiful adoption. That may be God's good in that it's not always sometimes as we think that it is. And I think sometimes the gap difference in, in what we think and what God thinks, I think is sometimes is perspective. Sometimes our perspective isn't lined up with what his perspective is. And his, our priorities aren't necessarily God's priorities that he, wants us, that he wants us to have. How many of you know that uh, oftentimes when you read in the Bible, these, these great Bible heroes, I don't find, I don't never find one Bible character where it says, and they lived happily ever after. In fact, sometimes it's just the opposite. It's great persecution. And uh, as I said earlier, James and Paul, they were beheaded. They lost their lives. And all the other disciples, they were all martyred to death with the exception of John, the beloved. He was thrown in a cauldron of boiling oil. They tried to kill him, but he didn't. I don't know, maybe he was sitting there acting like he was in a hot tub or something. But he got out and they didn't kill him, so they banned him to the Isle of Patmos where he wrote the book of Revelation. God's awesome, isn't he? Listen, from God's perspective, adversity is always... It's always to help us to grow. It's always to help us to mature. Maturity is the theme of the epistles. What we read about in, through the Gospels is salvation. It's the, the story of God's love that He sent His only begotten Son. So it's about salvation. It's coming to Christ. The book of Acts is about being filled with the Holy Spirit, with the evidence of speaking in tongues and all the other gifts that come along with that. And then the, the, the rest of the, the New Testament, the epistles, the epistles are, are called the, their letters to the churches they're all about growing and maturing. All about, again, growing and maturing. Um, hang on a minute. I got to figure out why I wrote that down. Tell Paula to let's go to Slotsky's after lunch. I don't know why I wrote that. Never mind. <laughs> I changed my mind. No, I'm just kidding. That's a personal joke. Listen to this. Listen to this. James, James encourages, he encourages the church not to interrupt the maturing process of adversity. James encourages us not to interrupt the ongoing process of growing and maturing in, listen to what he says here. This is verse 4. I'm going to read this to you again. So don't. Remember, consider all the gift, friends, when tests and challenges come at you from all sides. Under pressure, your faith life is forcing to open. Now, verse 4 says this. says, don't try to get out of anything prematurely. The test, the trials, the adversity. Let it, again, the adversity, don't let, let it have its work so that you become mature, well-developed, not deficient in any way. You know, there's people that get mad at God when they go through adversity. Or they get mad at God. There was one guy I read about that he he, uh, he quit going to church because he didn't get a promotion at work that he thought that he deserved. And all he did was just sideline himself, sideline himself until he can get his, his thinking right and, and, and understand God's priorities and the way that, that God thinks. At least for what, again, the adversity, what the purpose was in his life. Again, to some, again, it sounds utterly ridiculous to when you say consider, all, uh, consider it a gift or consider a, a pure joy whenever we fall in, into diverse kinds. I think James knew that some people wouldn't get it. I think, again, I believe that, as I said earlier, I think that he was writing to people that were, con- they were, they were consumed with God and, and, and walking in God's and way. But I think he would have to know there are people that didn't get it, that when he said, consider it a gift, and don't try to get out of anything prematurely. Let it have its work in you so that you become complete, not lacking in anything. For those people, James said the very next verse. And sometimes we quote this verse, but it's totally separate uh, from verse four. Again, verse four, I got I got to say it one more time. Don't try not to get at anything prematurely. Let it do its work so that you become mature, well-developed, not deficient in any way. And then he says this next verse, verse five, and if you need wisdom, ask, ask the generous God and he'll give it to you. He'll not rebuke you for asking. Listen, wisdom Wisdom is the ability to see things from God's perspective. Do you, hear what James, do you hear what James is saying? Do you hear what he's saying there? He's saying, count it all joy, consider it joy, don't try to get out of anything prematurely. And if you need wisdom, in other words, if you don't understand this, ask God and He'll show you. He'll give you insight. If you're born again Christian, you got the great Holy Spirit, the great teacher that lives on the inside of you. He'll teach you and He'll show you why we don't want to get out of those things, why God? we want God to have His perfect work in our lives, right? Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Listen, I think a, a good illustration of this is sometimes when, when we're dealing, dealing with adversity is it kind of like, like dealing a, or preparing for a surgery, uh, you know, the doctor says that we believe that if we, we do this surgery, that you'll have a better life, it'll help. We'll just use since so we've got Ashley in uh, here we'll use she just had her knee replacement. You know the doctors, they felt like that, you know, if we do this this, uh, this knee replacement surgery, then it, you're going you're gonna to be off a lot better and, and getting around a lot better. And, but that doesn't mean it's going to be pain-free. Isn't that right? It doesn't mean that it's going to be pain-free. What you're doing, we're submitting ourselves to the hand of the surgeon, or at least she did. She submitted her hands to the surgeon, and we're saying that our ultimate goal is better health, walking around pain-free, ultimately. Isn't that right? Adversity is the same way. Adversity is the same way. It's God's God's tool for advancement in our spiritual lives. Let me ask you some questions in closing. I'm going to ask you some questions here in closing. Are you persevering, are you enduring, or are you resisting? Are you, per, are you persevering, are you enduring, are you, or are you resisting? Are you mad at God like the guy who didn't get the promotion and he got mad at God? Are you mad at God in some things? If you are, then own up to it. Get that, make that adjustment. Don't be like him and get sidelined, get sidetracked. God's ultimate goal, again, is for our character, that it would mirror the character of Jesus Christ. If you remember in Ephesians, that's why uh, he gave gifts unto men, and it says this. It says, now these are the gifts that Christ gave the church. This is Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. Now these are the gifts that Christ gave the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers, for their responsibility is to equip God's people for the works of service to build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until all come to the, the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. Now watch this. Here's his desire of giving those gifts that we will mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Listen, I don't know of anything worse than living a life of of adversity and not ever learning anything from it. I don't know of anything, you know, it's it's one thing to go through adversity, but it's another thing not to get anything out of it, not to learn from that adversity. The one last thought that I want to give you, one last thought I want to give you is... uh, and we talked about this last week again the title of this series is don't shoot the whale an allegory of adversity how many times do you struggle to get out of adversity how many times do we struggle i think it's just it's almost kind of like when you put your hand on a hot stove you know instantly you don't go i think that's hot i probably should move it instantly you want to remove it and sometimes that's our reaction to adversity when we go through different things but can we get to the place can we get to the place, if if not, hey, this is joy, this is awesome, can we get to the place where we can say, God, what is what am I going through this for? Why am I going through this? I'm telling you, it's a, it'd be a big, big thing. And here's another thing I want you to think about is how many times do we rescue people and get them out of adversity? And sometimes it's the whale that God is trying to used to take them to a certain place, to get them back into his will, or to just to get them to a certain place. And we're we're the we're the whale, we're the the uh, we're the rescuers. You know, thank God, like I said last week that the the guys on the boat didn't have harpoons and kill the whale when it, when it when it got Jonah to get him try to get him to set free because that was the very tool, the very instrument that God was using to get him in the place that he wanted him to be. Now here's a here's a touchy one. This is a touchy one. This is even harder than that. When I, you know, how, how often do you find yourself rescuing people that you need to pray about? Our answer, God, we're not always God's answer to get someone out of something. I'm not saying that you're not, but we need to pray about it. We need to be open to, God, do you really want me to do this? Is this something that I want that I should be doing? Now here's the other one. How about your kids? How many times do we rescue our kids? Does God love your kids? Does God have a will for your kids? Of course, when we talk about a two or a three or a four-year-old, yes. But when we're talking about teenagers, then we're talking about young adults. And then, you know, we all love our kids and we all want to, to do things to help them. But are we helping them when we always rescue them? It's something worth considering, not just doing it because it's hard. It's hard. I've had a couple of times, I've had a couple of times, uh, when one of my children, uh, let me say it this way: when they when they opened up bank accounts, we we set it up in in my bank. Uh, so we have joined we have a joint accounts. Uh, I can join their accounts; but they're not joined my account. <laughs> Wisdom, huh? Uh, so anyway, so I can see. But all of a sudden, if I'm looking on there and I see that oh, they went over. They're they're over they're overdrawn. My natural inclination, because I love the snot out of those kids, is to move it over and to cover it and to help. I can do it. It's, it's not going to hurt me at all to do that. But is it always the best thing? And it's tough. It's tough to say, you're going uh, to pay that late fee, and you're going to pay the thing back, and sometimes the businesses charge you another fee. It could cost you up to $65, $70 to write a bad check or to go overdrawn and it's hard it's hard for a parent to knowing that that's going to happen to not just move over 10 dollars move over 20 dollars but again i think that we can teach our kids we can teach our kids and not always have teach them by letting them fail but hey this is what was going to happen and that's what i've done is is explain that you got to understand cuz i don't think they teach you how to write a check in school <laughs> we've talked about that like the kids they, they they don't even know how to fill out a check. Not, I'm not, we're teaching. But anyway. Huh? Huh? Oh, they know now. Yeah, they know now. Because well, we taught them. We taught them how to do that. But again, it's just, I think it's important that we, that I'm walking on this stage and I've got half my foot on it. I'm going to put this other half because this is really, this is really um, tedious arid territory where I'm telling you right now, be careful how we rescue our children. Because God's wanting to teach them. Again, there's life lessons about living life, but then there's also there's things that they can do that if we keep rescuing them, they won't learn in some of these other things. Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word today. We give you praise and glory and honor. Lord, thank you, Lord Jesus. The great Holy Spirit lives on the inside of us. We thank you, Father. Lord, today we, we choose as an act of our will, just like we choose to be walk in freedom, Lord, we choose as an act of our will when we face adversity. When those things come up, Father, we thank you. We thank you, God. We thank you, God, for what it's going to teach us, how we're going to learn in the name of Jesus. We ask you, Father, and as I say that, I say it as a statement of faith in Jesus' name. We bless you. We honor you. Amen.